And welcome to the very first ever Glacially Musical Podcast, where we are professionally unprofessional, where we slap in the face, to take a slap in the face of every musician we can get our hands on, where we will discuss everything but their music. Today, we are joined by Mike Ledette of Bushido Code. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm good, my man. Thank you for having us. And as I said before, I want to thank you very, very much. This is the very first episode, and I appreciate you taking the time for me on something that is probably going to be terrible and, and very insulting to you. <laughs> That's cool, man. You can't insult me. I'm good, man. <laughs> oh, I will try. I will try. I, oh, yeah. I, I won't. I'm, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> um, first off, what I like to do is I want to talk about your hometown. Where okay. are you from? I'm originally from um, Cutoff, Louisiana, which is uh, in La Rose. Like it's it's an hour south of New Orleans. So if you if you look Wait, at hang Louisiana, on, hang on, hang on. hour yeah. south of what now? New Orleans. Say that two more times. New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay, I <laughs> that's how you say it. <laughs> All right, I don't, I'm not gonna. I'm, but uh, <laughs> please continue. Yeah, yeah, but if you look at Louisiana and it's like the shape of a boot, I'm from like the pinky toe. I'm from the very bottom corner of, of Louisiana. So most some maps don't even have us on there. It's well, just I, covered I by a, water. I have a map of the country on my wall because I decided to put stickers on every city I've been to. I don't <laughs> yeah. travel outside the country nearly as much as I'd like. Right. Uh, and the I'm just so gonna say a, the shape it's way down there. The shape of Louisiana looks a lot more like a Grinch foot than a regular boot. <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh, yeah. Okay. What is special about where you're from? What? Let's start with food. Because here in St. Louis, which is the New Orleans sister city that nobody knows, right. uh, we are. Um, uh, the Chodos, or I'm sorry, Pierre, Lec Pierre Leclede, whose name I can't pronounce because I don't speak French, just Spanish right. and Japanese. <laughs> French is next after Portuguese because I think I got to learn Portuguese in a weekend. I just haven't done it. So right. But what is like our our main dish that we are known for, but we don't tell anybody, is the slinger, which is hash browns covered in eggs, covered in hamburger patties, covered in chili, covered in cheese, covered in onions. Sounds like a heart attack waiting to happen, but it sounds delicious. It is the sober up food or cure the hangover food. It works. It's got to right. Me. Right, what, right. Is, what is your local delicacy? It's gumbo. I mean, all day, every day. Uh, it's like gumbo or that's the cool thing about Louisiana. There's so many, like there's so many good things down there. You can only get down there like crawfish or gumbo or effute or jambalaya, any of now, that I, stuff. Man. I've heard the word effute before. Mm -hmm. well, I, mean, I haven't heard it. I've seen it written. What's it mean? Well, it's like a gravy, really. It's all that means. It's like uh, it's like uh, you mix flour and oil and spices, and you cook it over like shrimp or crawfish or chicken, even, and then you serve it over rice. It's just like okay. a real thick. Yeah, it's good though, man. It's delicious. <laughs> so, you're being as you're from Louisiana. I found out when I started working with a company that had customers in Louisiana. A lot of people down there still speak French. Do you speak French? No, it's like kind of sucks really because I can understand some of it, but like my mother speaks it and it's like a different dialect because I'm from, I'm Cajun, so I'm not Creole, I'm Cajun. So I'm like from the bayous, like literally. Um, so it's like a different form of French. So it's not like, it's got a different dialect. It's kind of weird. Like people from France really can't understand what we're talking about, but Canadians can. It's kind of strange. It's very different dialect. 
But if, um, if my French history is correct, and it may not be, uh, the French influence largely, what became the French influence now largely came from the Acadian French that were kicked out of Quebec. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, it's Louisiana history. It's, <laughs> it's funny because it's like the only state where you have to take Louisiana history to graduate, but it doesn't, it isn't accepted anywhere else. <laughs> So. <laughs> See, I wish every state did that. In fourth grade, we had we did one half of a quarter on Missouri state history. Right. That's where I first heard the names Pierre Laclede, Augusta Shoto. And right. we, St. Louis is very much dynastic mm -hmm. even to this day. Like we are outgoing Congressman Lacey Clay Jr., when he mm -hmm. was voted out this year, it was the first time that neither he nor his father had held that seat for the last 50 years. Gee, uh, that's crazy, right? One of our uh, current mayoral candidates is a legacy political as well. Her father actually is a disgraced uh, councilman. Uh, <laughs> then I won't go into that because I'll piss off my St. Louis friends. But yeah, yeah. then we have the Bushes who it was... Augie the fourth, who was the fifth member of the Bush family to own the company to sell it. Oh, like and the Bush beer people? Is that yeah. the oh, okay? Okay. It was Adolphus, Augustus, Gussie, Augie deterred, and Augie the fourth, which I don't know if he ever got a nickname because he killed a woman. But Jesus. Yeah, he, he had problems. And yeah, he did. sounds like it. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, it was it was a drunk driving accident. Shocking. Um, oh, wow. Moving on. But it all started going back to the Laclede's and the Shotos. It goes back to when we were founded in 1764. Right. Because Pierre Laclede says to Napoleon, hey, I bet I can make some money up there. Right. So then once what? the Louisiana Purchase happens, the Shotos who were in charge, and I think we were on the third generation of Shotos. No, excuse me, second generation of Shotos at that point. They're like, oh, if we speak English, we'll make more money. We speak English now. <laughs> That's that crazy. That is why St. Louis gave up French. Well, see, and I, yeah, I didn't know that that they were their sister. See, I remember re remember hearing about that when I was a kid, but I forgot until you just said it, and I was like, "Damn, that is true." Like, I forgot that uh, it was actually we used to talk about it, you know, like in Louisiana history and and, and like when we were kids. But um, the 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 Louisiana is. Like that whole Napoleon law versus English law thing. And it's, you know, all I could say about Louisiana is where I'm from in Louisiana, it's like a totally different world. Uh, we're really a little is. French still. There's still some French influence. But in terms of everything else, the Shotos realized that they would make more money if they switched to complete Americanism. Right. Last same week. same thing on the bayou eventually like where i'm from we call it the bayou you know because there's like a bayou that goes in between it and everybody lives either on the on either side of the bayou as a trolling community but um you know like when i was a kid we hunted gators and trap neutra and did that that whole thing when we were kids growing up um but you know when exxon and shell and all those places came down and, and they built the rigs out there everybody went from trolling to working on the rigs and then um you know, it was just, you know, eventually the Teds and the Nets, which were the right thing for the sea turtles. And then that community, you know, that fishing community just died after that. So it's actually Cajun is French is like one of the last dying languages in America. 
So um, we're like, you know, I would love to learn it. You know, as I, I remember stuff as a kid, like I, my grandfather would call me, uh, my papa, like what, what, that's what we call him. But he would call me like he, I could, I, he could speak broken English. Like he would speak a lot of French still. So I could make out what he was saying. You know? But as I get older and he's passed and everything, my mom doesn't really speak it anymore. Um, it's like, you know, you lose it just like anything. If you don't do it all the time, you lose it. So believe me, I it sucks. <laughs> I, I have spoken Spanish professionally for the past 14 years, right. off and on. Um, I'm one of the statistically insignificant human beings in the United States of America who learned a language in high school. Right, right. Like that's <laughs> I actually learned what, it. Yeah, I actually learned it. But I was also <laughs> one of the statistically insignificant people that wanted to learn the language rather than just get the two years of credits to graduate. Yeah, like my brother just finished that and he said it was the worst class he ever took. <laughs> yeah, I, no, and I get that. It's, I also had a good, I had a very good teacher though. Uh, but I asked him, I said, did you learn Spanish? He's like, no, no. My, my <laughs> wife took eight years of French in wow. high school and college and she can't speak it. And she's- Yeah, it's crazy, right? She's not alone. It's not uncommon. You yeah, know, it's, it's just not, yeah it's you you have to want it and you have to find a way to make it make sense my, it's funny my dad my dad spoke french his entire life growing up and he failed french in high school you know what i mean it's like <laughs> yeah, totally I, different. I i'm that. like how does that happen man because he's like not... it's a totally different french it has exactly it's totally I, different i speak two dialects of spanish at this point i speak castilian spanish and i speak mexican spanish but right. i have a castilian accent but I primary my prime my primary dialect at this point because that's what you know if you speak Spanish professionally in America, ninety nine percent of your people are going to be Mexican because they're close. Right. So well, see, like, our weirdest Spanish in the world. Right. Because I when I'm speaking, I sound like this. Pardon me, yo. Would you like to be fixing to right, go right. to school? That's <laughs> right, how right, I sound. Right. Right. So in the times I've been to Mexico, I would have to explain ten times a day why i speak the way i do right right well see like derek our guitarist he, he's italian right like he, and he grew up like his uh is like i guess there's you know sicilians and italians you know so mm -hmm. like he grew up his mother was sicilian his dad was you know carvazit I, I forget how they say it but anyways um they were but they speak italian but i guess it's the same thing it's like a different like a different dialect or whatever oh it's completely different i mean yeah when you say what is your name in England, mm. they say, what are they called? Right. It's just, you know, it's, it's crazy, right? <laughs> when, you, when you break, language is a living, breathing thing, and it continues to grow and change. How many dialects right. of English do we have in this country? It's, dude, and that's, you, it blows my mind, because like when we were on tour in Europe, um, the guys in Europe, they can speak multiple languages, and they speak English better than we do. Mm -hmm. It's like oh, the craziest thing. That's because thing. they... They learn the King's English. Right, I'm sorry, right. the Queen's English, because we have a Queen now. But oh, we speak man. American English, kind of. And most of yes. us don't speak that well. I mean, because yeah. if you speak it properly, everybody thinks you're a nerd. But right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that. I actually had the, one of the greatest experiences I ever had with language, because, you know, that's what we're talking about, apparently, <laughs> was I had to call Japan. And I speak a little Japanese, but my Japanese is very poor and language, tough language from what i heard it's 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 not as hard to speak it as it is to read it but it's very very odd because you don't say i am going to the store mm -hmm. you say store go 
Ah, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's you've got to completely change the way you think. But yeah. I, I said to the woman, Gomenasai, Watashino Nihongo, Amada Hatades, Aigo Kudasai, which is, I'm very sorry, my, my Japanese is still very poor. Could you speak to me in English? And uh-huh. then you said, okay. And there was a long pause, which sucked because it was about $15 a minute. Uh-huh. And then she switched to an English accent to speak English. Wow, that's crazy, right? And I just wasn't expecting that because to me, English is the purview of Americans, not anybody else. That's true. <laughs> but before we get going too much farther, there's um, a rabbit hole there. Yeah, I know, because that, that can go forever. And uh-huh. so tell me about, I'm going to give you two minutes to talk about your own music. Okay. Um, we're a conventional thrash metal band. Uh, we brought back what we loved as kids in, in thrash metal and we molded it, hybrided it to what we loved in hardcore and, and, and modern metal. And then we came up with a concept that we thought was cool and a story we thought was cool and reminisced to like the old Iron Maiden records and old Megadeth records and, um, uh, old Metallica records. So we just wanted to bring something cool back that was uh, a little bit nerdy and uh, a lot metal. So, um, and that's how Bushido came about. Metal in and of itself is probably the nerdiest genre of music aside from nerd. Totally. Regardless of it, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. Totally. You you look at Dio and he sings about literal Dungeons and Dragons. That you could make a Dungeons and Dragons campaign out of every song Dio has ever written. And they would probably be fucking amazing. They're great. Every one of them. Halloween. Have you ever listened to Halloween? Every song is about just the craziest knights in shining armor, crazy keepers of the seventh keys and just craziness. It's complete Dungeons and Dragons, hobbits and, and the whole thing. It's, it's epic. It's amazing. You know what I mean? I actually have to watch those stupid Hobbit movies again. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, they weren't horrible. I mean, like, that's the thing. (laughs) That's the thing. People think that, like, uh, you know, because, yeah, you know, you get into hardcore music and you get all tattooed and, you know, whatever. But we're really just all, like, Derek, you look at Derek and he looks like a monster. But, like, when you, we see us, but we're really all just kind of the nerds we were when we were 15. We haven't really changed. You know, we still like horror... Every like really scary metal guy I've ever spoken to, uh, be it in an interview, be it after a concert, be it before a concert, we all start nerding out on music and trying. Totally nerd. And I can remember I was speaking with uh, the guitar player from Barishi, and I don't even know how we got to this, but he looks at me and he goes, is it just me or is death overrated? Death the band overrated? Yeah. Oh, come on, for real? <laughs> yes, I, I agree personally, but that's just me. Really? I, oh, I would rather God. have Morbid Angel or Deicide, but that's that. I mean, I, I can't I can't disagree with Morbid Angel. Uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm Deicide too, but death is, man, just, ugh. as I get older, I love them more and more and more. Okay, I, what I, what's weird about that for me is I love Gruesome, who apparently is a death cover band. Gruesome. Oh, I heard about those dudes. I haven't heard them yet. Do they have like, they're just a cover band, a death cover no, band? No, not a cover band, but like, they're just like oh. tribute. I don't know how you would describe it, but I mean, okay, like a tribute band. That's basically cool. they're just doing death if death were still alive. Wow. And I love them, but I don't. Yeah, like that's death. my, yeah, that's Derek's favorite band. A lot of our stuff sounds a lot like that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it, dude. Like, that's the thing, man, about, um, 
you know, the cool thing about those bands, man, like I grew up, you know, kind of in that same, uh, you know, I didn't start in hardcore, I started in death metal. I was in a death metal band when I was 15 and we played with like a lot of those bands before they got bit, like bands like, uh, um, oh, like we played with Suffocation before Effigy of the Forgotten came out. We played with uh, Madly Creation. Uh, a band named Teratosis, which eventually uh, Dallas ended up playing for Nile. Lovely Creation. The band, Ma- Mavel- started, yeah. Uh, it's a, a friend of mine's last band from St. Louis. Well, he lives in Phoenix now, but his last band in St. Louis, I, when, the one time I saw him play, he opened Lovely Creation was the second opener. Yeah, dude. It's the death metal scene when I was a kid. And this is like, I'm, dude, I'm 16 at this point. And that's when you remember when like all those bands, like Morbid Angel and Napalm and uh, Napalm Death and um, Carcass all signed to Universal. Remember mm-hmm. that when they all went to majors? Um, I remember we were playing a death metal band. There was no internet. There was no, you know, we were doing everything via fanzines. Yeah, yeah, you had to like know the one weird dude that like had a carcass tape. Right, exactly. So what had happened was like labels like Red Light and all those smaller independent death metal labels, they were scooping up bands because I think at that point is when death metal was at its biggest when like Sepultura Arise came out and oh yeah like like yeah all 90, that stuff. 90 to 95 once 90 once like 1990 hit and all the the majors started scooping up the top ones yeah like, oh yeah scooping up every started scooping up the B the B and C guys we just, joked about we used to call it, we used to call it like the hair metal time of uh of death metal because it oh, was completely like, was completely was it was like Morbid everybody Angel, was Morbid Angel had a record and I mean I know it was the 90s and sold more records but they sold six figures of a rec of covenant of the most satanic album to date like which is really hokey when you listen to it now but in a good way dude it was i love that right you talking I, covenant right yeah yeah I got yeah it. that's I, I got the it dopest record dude I that is one that of the album. dopest but if you I remember, listen to, if pay attention to the lyrics now in 2021 so you're cheesy. like and you're like, I don't know, man. Shubna Gura, that's a lot of goats. What? What? Yeah. But uh, I mean, you're you know, 16 and you're just like, fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. And it was like crazy because that's when all that stuff was happening in Norway. Um, all the church burnings and like, and, and I, I remember the, nothing about that. Well, see, I remember hearing the story because we played, we were playing with a lot of, of bands at that time. And uh, the, the, I remember somebody telling us a story that like, you know, Gorefest and like Obituary went over there or something like that. And uh, they weren't allowing death metal bands to play. And like, if you weren't a black metal band, you weren't playing. But Obituary was like, we're playing, dude. Like, you know what I mean? We came all this way. We're playing. We're Obituary. Could you imagine you know I mean? stopping them though, really? No, nah, hell no. Those guys were like, they guarantee you they brought shotguns. I just know those dudes enough to know that they brought I'm shotguns. i surprised 45s. <laughs> yeah, dude. Those dudes are definitely South Floridians. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But it was like, that was a crazy time for music, man. Like, um, and I, I, I'm stoked as I get older too, I realized that that, that period was so cool uh, to be involved in it. I mean, we weren't a big band by any means, but it was just being in the middle of that with bands like that were around us that were just blowing up and taking off like suffocation. And, you know, I remember hearing their first demo when it came out and there was other bands, like really good bands that never got out. Like, I don't know if you ever heard of a band called Baphomet. But they were from like New yeah, York City. Yeah. Dude, they were incredible. But like there were so many bands that slipped through the cracks, you know, and then Carcass was out there and then Heartwork came out and then it cracked metal in half. That was like, that's where Metalcore came from. I remember actually being on the phone with Jesse Smith from Zayo 
And he said that this entire record was based off listening to Heart Work. Heart their first Work record. to me is, it, and it's death metal perfection. It is. It's by far one of the best albums of all time. It To me, as a complete piece, it's one of the few, and I love death metal, so please don't think I'm slamming on it. Lo- I love extreme metal, love black metal, love all of it, mostly. But that album is one of the few that I don't get the serious ear fatigue from, from the vocals. No, it's so good. Jeff Walker's voice on that record is so good. And that, I mean, and nobody Bill screamed like that. all on it. And no, Bill, the, I think he did some backing vocals, but, yeah, but Bill didn't sing. I mean, I, I still in, love. That's when I got into Carcass was Heartwork. So, I mean, that really? was when I got in. Living in St. Louis, you know, living in flyover country away from the coasts, we mm. didn't have that in, that infusion of the extreme metal. It just no. wasn't here. So if it, it wasn't just bypassed you. Yeah, if it wasn't on MTV, if it wasn't on Casey's Headbangers Ball, you just didn't hear it. And they would only play extreme metal. Headbangers Ball, or not Headbangers Ball, I'm sorry. Monday Night Metal. Monday Night Metal was on Tuesdays. Right. At 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. And right. only from like 11.45 to 12 would they play anything. That last hour, they would play like four videos. That was no, it. I no, remember I'm talking that. About, I'm not, no, not, not that. I'm talking about uh, uh, our local radio station. Oh, okay. Headbangers, was, Monday Night Headbangers Ball. No, yeah, Headbangers Ball. That's that. That's a whole other day. I would actually like to sit down and talk about talk to somebody about that, but not today. Um, yeah. Monday Night Metal came on at ten to midnight. They would play heavy stuff, but it wasn't until that last fifteen minutes where they would get seriously heavy. But they right. never played Carcass. They never played Morbid Angel. They never played Deicide. There was a local radio. St- there was a college station that had a, a show on Thursdays called The Mosh. And he would play serious stuff. You know, he'd play Deicide. He'd play Morbid Angel. He would play Carcass. He would play Entombed. All those, you know. Oh yes. See, that was what was cool about North Carolina is because we had so many college towns. You know, so many colleges. Just Chapel Hill, UNCW. You know, all these big schools, and they all had their own college radio stations. Yeah. And we, we don't have a big college here in St. Louis. Yeah. So we were blessed on the coast with that stuff, man. We um, when we when I moved here from Louisiana. I jumped into the death metal scene like feet first and we were playing rat holes with 500 people at them. It was crazy. It was the craziest experience ever. When you live in a city like this, when you, because you, we don't have the colleges, you know, there, mm-hmm. there have been tours where recent tours where carcass skipped us to play mid Missouri where our big colleges are. Yeah. But didn't St. Louis have like a big punk rock scene though? Like, like, uh, I remember, like, I have a lot of homies from there, and they they were saying, like, back in the day, it was very oi, big oi scene, big like punk rock scene, like back there in that time. There were a lot of skinheads back in the early nineties. No, really, okay. But I didn't, you know, I, I was not a part of that. Or I mean, yeah, it's like two, that, like two totally different worlds, yeah. And then the people that I knew that were in, that knew those guys hated those guys and told me they were Nazis and were going to kill us. So yeah, I, oh, I, we I went through I all that. Yeah, didn't necessarily get the best information. Uh, yeah. But our two, we have two major colleges, not including the one I went to, but they're private schools. So um, it's not like, you know, we have University of Missouri in Columbia, which is in the middle of the state. They've probably got about 200,000 students. Right. You know, one of those kinds of colleges. So yeah, we missed all that and it sucks. And I had to get into it later. Yeah, it was crazy. Cause like here, it was so intertwined um, like we would play a show in, in Chapel Hill when I was a young kid, but we would play with like Patriot would be on the show. It was like a super 
big oi band at the time um and and ed's like my good good close friend and uh we we joke about it all the time. I was like this little fifteen year old kid, and these guys are beating up fracking dudes and stealing all their beer in the parking lot. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I was like, dude, what is going on here? But the I mean, one, and I was the one punk show I went to was Agnostic Front. Roger is one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life. Not in, well, him and Stigma. <laughs> in 1992, at a club called Metal's Edge. Wow. Uh, there were a couple of skinheads there that night. Interestingly enough, back to my buddy from this t-shirt, the band that I saw before this band, before this band, before that band that he was in, which was right. why we were there. Because he right. they, they were opening the show. So right. we had this Metallica wannabe thrash band opening for Agnostic Front. You know, that happened a lot, though, dude, back then. They played with anybody, bro. Well, and so would my buddies. Yeah, so, but, you know, if you think about it, Agnostic Front played a lot with, like, you know, Carnivore, New York City, Corrosion Conformity. These bands were almost thrash bands. They were like on the cusp. Like they played with Suicidal. They toured with Suicidal. You know what I mean? So it was like these. They were suicidal. Right what is Suicidal? I mean, they're, I would say their, their earlier stuff was punk rock. And then they came a thrash band for a very short period of time. Like Lights, Camera, Revolution was a thrash record. But then they became, I would say, a hybrid thrash punk rock thing i don't I, know i cannot that band literally that band literally shaped my entire life I, I was i had this particular moment in my life that i was um in a really bad situation and um i i had got that tape somehow like somebody made a recording of it mm -hmm. for me lights camera revolution and that shit straight up changed my life it's well, that, the reason i play music that album was the one that my my cousins had my cousins were big into they were like you know I lived in Illinois, in, in the country, the sticks of Nowhereville, Illinois. And right. they lived in Whitebread, suburban town, St. Louis. And right. they, you know, I got over there and they're like, let's get high and listen to Morbid Angel and Deicide. <laughs> like, I don't know if that works, but okay. And Suicidal <laughs> Tendencies was the one, or Last Camera Revolution was the one suicidal record they had. And yeah, I saw, great them record, with, dude. I saw them with Slayer. Not the farewell tour, not repentless, but the one before it. The oh one, yeah, it was the first big one after Jeff had died. Right, right, right. I remember that. Yo, did you get a chance to check out that Clash of the Titans tour? Because that's about that same time. The what? The, uh, the Clash no. of the Titans tour. No, I missed see, that. Where I lived in Illinois, I mean, I was where I'm sitting now. I am a mile and a half from the Mississippi River, and about. Uh, half a mile from downtown St. Louis. Okay. So where I lived in Illinois was 45 miles west of or east of here. Mm -hmm. Nothing burger. And no, really. I mean, it, and then, you know, in back in those days, you know, 20 miles was like three states. Yeah. So, yeah. That was, that was like a lifetime away. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only tours I saw back then, uh, I saw Iron Maiden on the Fear of the Dark tour. Now that's a great front. One. That was when I saw Testament of Corrosion Conformity for the first time. I mean, that was, Fun. and I still saw that on the, was that COC on the blind tour when they were, the blind record came out? I couldn't tell you. Uh, it was 92, uh, it was July of 92. That's all I remember. Uh, Testament is like my favorite band of all time. Like that's singer, like my number one. The singer came out through the crowd singing. That's so sick. <laughs> I'm not going to say that there were illicit substances. 
there was bugs, some memory. <laughs> there was. But I was 16 and my cousin was a dealer. So yeah. I'm not gonna look, allegedly, I don't know. I yeah. assume those were all Marlboros. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, but uh, I I just have a lot of vague recollection. It was my first show. I was 16. Right, right. 16 um, years old. That's so cool though, man. You know what I mean? Like you get a you know go see testament and i now if you were 16 it's probably like uh souls of black tour or or maybe yeah it's probably souls of black i think they toured on that, that might have been low really oh yeah, yeah. well that would make more sense because low came out about the same time as blind so and coc was touring really heavy then so yeah they wrote coc wrote that album for a couple of years and that's when pepper started singing full time for the band before that next record came out so no, I'm sorry. Low came out in '94. So '94. So it must have been Souls of Black, right? It wasn't. It wasn't Low because it was '92. It was Fear of the Dark tour. It was Iron Maiden's Fear of the Dark tour. That was the last tour before Bruce quit. Wow, that's all I can say for sure. Yeah, and then he went. Then he went solo for a little bit and came back, right? Yeah, and his solo stuff was crap. Oh yeah, that that Tattoo Millionaire song was horrible. Yeah, I I, I, I bought like the live album he put out. I got it on a record store day because that before record store day was like a, a holiday, and right. and I remember listening to it going, "Oh God, this is bad." Yeah, it's it's really atrocious. Like the it's entire like, record. He's like, "I don't want to be a tattooed millionaire." Okay, don't get tattooed. I don't really know what we're going for here. Um, yeah. I kind of think you're already a millionaire. I assume you already have tattoos, but I'm not checking. Yeah, let's just go back to Iron Maiden and let them write the songs, buddy. Well, he wrote, I mean, he wrote some good stuff in Iron Maiden, but he... Well, he didn't write any of the lyrics. I thought he wrote some, no? Uh, no, no, the bass player writes everything. I know, Steve, I know Harris writes a lot of it. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know, maybe he has, I, I haven't gone through their whole catalog, but maybe he did, he had to have write something. I mean, I don't think Harris wrote everything. I know at the beginning he did. Right. When I mean, Blaze Bailey what, is your singer, what are you going to do? Yeah, what do they have? Like twenty-seven albums or something like that? Like it's ridiculous. They. What's funny about Iron Maiden? Iron Maiden is the only band I'm aware of. Career band, not like you know, mm. two or three album guys. But they are the only band I'm aware of that has as many live records as they do studio. I mean, well, that's their thing, though. Their thing is yeah, being. And alive. I love yeah, it. That's their thing. I yeah. love it, and I will continue spending my money on these things that I don't need. Uh, but here's the, the one here's the. There's two songs. There's a on, two songs that I don't have on a live album already. I bought it. Okay, but here's the real thing. When's the and then you gotta answer this honestly. I what's the honestly. last what's the last Iron Maiden album you truly loved? Like, album? From, yeah. Like okay. from beginning to end. Wow. Beginning to end, whole thing. No. Yeah. So we're not talking like 80% here. We're talking. No, no, no. Like, when's their, what was their last album that you thought was like, this is the best album they've ever done? And they haven't. What, no, no, no. That's two, quest, that's two different questions. Okay. What was your favorite, the best album, in your opinion, and Iron Maiden was the last best album they did? The best album, Number of the Beast. Mine, Summers in Time. They didn't do anything after Summers in Time that was better. Not a big fan of that one. But now, I if love that ask, record. If you're going to ask the other question, uh -huh. What is the last album they did that you love start to finish? My answer? Uh -huh. I'll let you know when they release it. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> I love Iron Maiden. 
love Iron Maiden. But, but they have a lot of dead tracks on their records, man. Yes, That's, they do. I also love a Kiss. Lot of Guess tracks? who does that? Guess who has that problem too? Kiss is the worst about it. The, oh, the I know. Reason. The reason I love Somewheres in Time is because, like, when I was a kid, my we grew up super poor. My brother went to the army, right? And he 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 got me like this. The only present I got that year for Christmas was like this Walkman, and I had some old tapes that he had left. And Somewheres in Time was one of them. He had bought me this Crazy Nights Kiss record, and I listened to that thing from front to back, front to back, till I wore it out. But I found his tapes. Wait, you like listened to Crazy Nights front to back? Okay, this is why though. It's not not okay. that that the album was great. It's just that um okay, I, like I said, I, I grew up su- like super poor. I stole that album from the library and deleted it. Dude, it was it, it, it was not the greatest record, right? But I just fell in love with music. It's like that's what got me into it. It's just that my brother bought it for me, it was a big deal, and it's the only thing I got for Christmas. So I was like super I pumped hear, about I it. Hear but my but my brother had had that somewhere as a time record and it was hidden in his room and i found it and buddy i wore that thing out like i, <laughs> I have a very nostalgic now hear me out mm-hmm. I, I have a minority opinion regarding black sabbath okay dio sabbath is better than ozzy sabbath yes dio okay. I, musically yes and vocally and lyrically, ah, and all of it. Voc- well, I, I'm biased though, man. I'm biased. I am a huge Ozzy fan. See, like I love all, all I, of Ozzy solo stuff. But I think Ozzy's overrated too. When's the last Ozzy record that you liked all the way through? Uh, probably all the way through. Uh, I would have to say no more tears. But I I did like Osmosis a lot. I like um, Osmosis, but all, not all the way but through. But not all the way through. No more tears. I can listen to front, back, continuously. It drives my I wife nuts. I think Ozzy only has like three or four good records out of 30 years solo. And I would say that the first three Black Sabbath albums with, with Ozzy are beyond reproach. And then after, oh, yeah. that, they, after that, though, not so much. <laughs> However, Dio did four Black Sabbath records that are all beyond reproach. Okay, but there was that other singer um ended up singing for deep purple right i I, I didn't get to tell my story let me tell my story (laughs) i my i didn't have much money growing up either and the first album that was ever mine the first music that was ever mine was black sabbath live eagle with dio singing my cousin yeah so you my cousins got it for me for christmas because it had black sabbath on it being as it was 1985 and i liked iron man because of the road warriors from wrestling I Absolutely. I don't think they knew Dio was on it. Oh, but and then I you didn't, fell in love with Dio. Right, and I didn't know that Dio wasn't the original singer because they never played like the full song when the Road Warriors came out because by the time they got through the intro, they had already won the match and they were done. Yeah, and those Ozzy records came out in the 70s, dog. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> you know. Right. so it's like, but um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's why you fell in love with it. Like, people were like, uh, you know, like, same thing with the whole Sammy Hagar versus... David Lee Roth thing and Van Halen, oh, totally. you know, like it's it's I, where you get on board the train. Exactly, exactly. Like um, where you get on board the train is going to have more sway with you than the quality of the record. Although right, I will see, say to the day I die, I'm not wrong about Dio because Black Sabbath is far more grandiose with Dio than they are with any other singer. I, I can agree with you on that. I just didn't, I didn't follow him in, uh, um, that much after Ronnie had joined the band, and I like Rodney's soul stuff a lot more. 
The thing about um, Ronnie, the Holy the thing about Ronnie was he could turn any band into his solo band. Dude, because he sounded his voice was so good, dude. Oh, so yeah. good. Completely I mean, agree. Yeah, he he was but see, like going back to what you were talking about with singers, is like um like that happened with me and Anthrax. Like I was a ginormous Anthrax fan. And then when John Bush came into Anthrax, but I had I loved it because I loved him and Armored Saint. Like I was like see the thing about Ant, I'm not a I'm not a big Anthrax fan. I, I like I love and, I like bits and bobs of what they've done. I right. like John Bush as a singer, great, hundred times better than Joey Belladonna as a singer. But Definitely, I don't like John Bush's Anthrax. Really, you didn't like only or none? Yeah, of I don't know how that. I don't know how I got to that point, but that's where I'm at. Well, see, it's weird because I agree with you hundred percent that like John Bush is a better singer than than joey even though joey's a great like guy could range and all that stuff it's just john's got a grittier nastier and like I voice like that better the, the problem i had with a lot of 80s thrash was you know you had two you had you know you had two ways of going about this you know you had anthrax who had the high pitch voice and they you know that was the voice that launched a thousand ships james hetfield tom mariah dave mustaine nobody tried to be like them they all tried to be like tommy or like joey mm-hmm and that's why, that's why I'm not a big fan of Exodus. Well, like the first, see, I love Exodus's music, but um, like the first singer they had, uh, they got that other guy later. I don't know the new guy now, but um, I think the original singer like passed away, right? Or didn't he get sick he or something like? Yeah, but um, uh, I mean Gary Holt as a guitarist, as a songwriter, as a riff writer, I mean th- those oh, songs yeah. are oh, blistering. Yeah. They're blistering. I'm not, I'm not a vocals person. Like right. I'm not a lyrics person. I like the, right. the, the the emotion of the music matters more to me than the emotion of the vocals. That's that's just my personal stance. However, right, I can appreciate vocals to me. Vocals and lyrics like are like graphics in a video game. Right, I can appreciate them. I can enjoy them. I will love them. I will applaud them, but they don't matter as much to me as the gameplay. Right, I, I totally see your point because I, I feel the same. However, it's really that. shitty. Yeah, it'll, it'll ruin it. And to me, that's that's Exodus. It's the singer, the singer's voices, the hype. It just it ruins it for me. It was definitely it was definitely different. Like, um, and it was like, but like, uh, you know, with with Exodus and 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 those bands, it was like uh, his voice. It bothered me too until I like I bought Fabulous Disaster and I listened to it a million. I have times. that one. I have that one. Yeah, and I just felt like the songs got so good in the lyrics. And, you know, they had a song on there called Cajun Hell, and I was a kid in South Louisiana. So I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, um, you know, it was like, they wrote the song for me. You know, it was like this whole thing. But I was listening to so many weird things were getting thrown at me at that time. And bands like Grim Reaper and, you know, just going back and forth and listening to all this insane music. Because once I jumped in that rabbit hole, I couldn't have enough. You know, I couldn't. Oh, no, I, I just. I completely get it. I like, I like, when I started writing about music, I lost the need to purchase metal. Right. I, I just deleted all of my emails from March 2020 today. Uh, really? That's, I mean, that's how far behind I am. So I decided I was going to start buying records because I don't listen to CD. I, even then, I didn't listen to CDs. Uh, I started in 2015 buying records. I have 700 now. Damn, this is sick vinyl collection. Uh, I got four or five in the mail. I, I don't know. I've lost count. I, I don't know how yeah. many are coming. And no, I, I mean, the rabbit hole, it's, yes, it's, you, you touch this and you get that. And 
it's right. you know, it, it's a never-ending sickness. It do, it really is. It's like uh, you know, even if uh, being a musician at this age, you know, like people were like, "What are you? Why are you still doing it?" And I was like, "I don't fucking know, man. I don't." I really don't like why I've not made any money. It's definitely <laughs> cost me. It's definitely cost me a couple like relationships, you know, like it's, you know, it, it, it was, it, but now it seems at, at where I'm at in my, I'm 44 now. So now it seems like, you know, I'm at a point where it's like, ah, oh, it's so much easier now. Like it's, you know, it's like, I'm just all the wanting to be a rock star shit that you thought when you were a kid, kind of goes away and now it's just like now i just love music and i'm i'm like for me it was always that you know that that first suicide of records when i was homeless under a bridge and i didn't have i didn't have anything and all i had was this walkman with this song and i was like this guy gets me like he he knows me like and that feeling has never left me in in this this entire time so it was like that's all i've ever wanted to give back i hear you and I, you know for me i thought i'm 45 and I thought at some point by now, I would have calmed down and I wouldn't be listening to, you know, brutal, technical, melodic death metal while I'm sitting in my cube at work doing the corporate thing. And yeah, what the hell else are you going to do? <laughs> you know, it's like sitting there and blast beats that are going through my eardrums out the other side while, you know, somebody's talking about whatever crap that, I, you know, it's just, you know, normal corporate stuff. Right. You know, but and there is still no greater feeling than when I come home and there is a box on my doorstep that with an I album can... you probably have three versions of the same album, no, but it's like I'm not that guy. I am not that <laughs> okay. guy. I have one album I have two versions of. Right. I would rather buy something new. Right, right. So are you listening to newer bands or are you going oh, back yeah. to find old records that you loved as a kid? Both. Uh, I haven't been doing as many reviews in the past year just because of my, my life changed and I don't, haven't had that time. Right. So I've been spending a lot more time getting older stuff, but no, I still buy, uh, I think I've gotten two or three from 2021 already. It's right. You know, uh, what, what's the, the last three records you got in the mail? In the mail? Shit. Um, let me look up Discogs. <laughs> look it up, bro. Let's see what you got. <laughs> It's a I new kettle decapitation in, record. <laughs> I can tell you what's in the mail right now. I, in the mail, okay. I got. Um, oh, actually, wait, hang on. I got uh, "Animalized" by Kiss. Oh, uh, sick! Uh, I saw it for five bucks once, and I passed. And it's not. Writing. It's not. There's like I think there's a good song on that record, though. Let's be yeah, real. It's, it's it's terrible. But it's terrible. I didn't have five bucks then, and I have five bucks now. <laughs> and their I covers got, were super cool, though. So I, I got it. I got that finally. Um, I got. Shit, I, I don't remember. Um, oh, uh, I did buy Metal Magic, a, a counterfeit version of Pantera's Metal Magic. There's oh the shit! They yeah. did from 1983 without Phil Anselmo. Oh, there that I might. I heard those demos. Are though, but they were not demos. They were actually records. Yeah. I heard those not too long because I, you know, I'm from Louisiana, so those right. that, that was the. Oh band. yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and, and that's funny. <laughs> I also got Beastie Boys, some old bullshit. That's great. And uh, Johnny Cash, Orange Blossom. Fuck. I mean, Johnny Cash, dog. Like, 
you were talking about, I was just watching this whole thing. It's so funny you bring him up because I was just watching that whole making of Hurt the, that he redid and Trent, Trent Rev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was just like a small interview. It's not like a, like a whole big thing. But um, it's so cool because Trent Reznor, when he, when he first uh, heard the idea, he was like, this is going to be atrocious. Like, this is going to be a horrible. He, but Johnny Cash is like Jimi Hendrix when it comes to covers. When yeah. he covers it, it's his now. Oh yeah, it sounds nothing like the original. You could well, you could tell us the the song, right. but it's better than Trent's version any day of the week. I don't like, like it's Nails so good. So it's, yeah, it's a low bar for me. But Johnny Cash, what most people don't know about him, like you know, people our age, they think that Johnny Cash wrote these amazing records and all these albums. No, dude wrote one track each side. That was you know, it. You, he wrote you, singles. Right. So then he did. And they called back in those days, it, they called those records. Any song that he recorded was called a record back no, in those days. No, he has 92 LPs. Damn. <laughs> but 70 of them, 75, he wrote one track each side and the rest were covers. Hang on. That's so crazy. Hang on. <laughs> Random. Okay. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Right. Grabbed it at random. Let's check the songwriters. This came out in the early 70s. Johnny Cash is a little haggard and weather-worn on the on the cover, if you take a close look. That is yeah. Not that That's when he was the acting. man from the 50s. Okay. <laughs> songwriters. Track one, J. Cash. Track two, M. Travis L. Russ. Track two, track three, Johnny Cash. Four, Johnny Cash with Roy Orbison. Wow. Uh, track five, Johnny Cash. Track six, K. James. This is the same. So he wrote maybe, yeah. And then uh, side two, track one, T. Harden, track two, Chris Christopherson, track three, E. Wheeler. Really, Chris Christopherson? That's great. Track four, V. Matthews, track five, J. Clement, track six, C. Wren. So he, wrote so he literally songs. wrote three songs on that record. Out of 12. That's so crazy. You know, that probably happened so much, though, back then. Oh, totally did. That's you know what I mean? The product. The dude put out three records a year. You Nobody know, can really write make... three records a year unless their name's Buckethead, who just gets up and shits it out. Right, right. And see, that's so crazy if you really think about like bands. Like, I, I give Motley Crue all the credit in the world. You go back and listen to those cliff or look at those cliff notes. Every one of those songs was written by somebody in that band. You know what I mean? <laughs> Either Nick, most of them were written by Nikki and Tommy. Like they were all written. I used to go through them. I'm like, damn, these guys wrote all these songs. <laughs> so good. And they only got I mean? six albums. It's no, I mean, almost no covers. They 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 did it, you know. And yeah, I think they did sm what smoking in the boys' room was like the I only think, cover they did. I know of that one. I mean, who doesn't know that one? But yeah, but it was I don't know of any other pain, which head. is their worst record, I think, that they ever had that on vinyl. Well, see, you know, it's funny because like my brother, my oldest brother who got me into this, he was like super into hair metal. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I got in, big into thrash and then eventually into death metal. But as I get older, I'm infatuated with hair metal. Like I, I go back and listen to it all the time. Like, but not the, the obscure bands though. Not like, I love Motley and stuff, but like, I like the bands like Kick Tracy and Shotgun Messiah and Asphalt Ballet and all those weird look, bands. Look, <laughs> I, I am of the belief that there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. If you like it, you like it. Right. I love the big hair metal bands. 
Like the other oh, night, like I, poison. Oh, love rat. poison. I have lost yeah. count of how many times I've seen poison. It's at least. Dude, that's amazing. I don't know. I went to a show a couple of years ago. Uh, it was Brett Michaels headlining with uh, Warrant and some other like B level band. I don't remember who it was. Nobody. Like Badlands or something. Well, no, Badlands. No, no, bigger than Badlands. It was. It was somebody. It wasn't Skid Row, but like like right below Skid Row level. I don't know. Oh, I'd wow. never seen any. I. Oh, wasn't it Britney Fox? No, I know it wasn't Britney uh, Fox. I love I'm that. I don't remember this like in, in three hours. I'm gonna probably send you an email. But uh, <laughs> I, I was so old. I left before Brett Michaels went on stage. Because I'm like, I've seen him. I've seen this. Dude, I'm I'm the same way. Like we play these festivals. Like we we'll go to these festivals and be there all day. And I'm just like, dude, at like, like I, I think uh, no. And here, here's how bad about this I am. I left halfway through Black Sabbath Reunited set at Ozfest. What? One, I was extraordinarily sunburned. Oh wow! Bet, this yeah. is the nineties, and nobody wore sunscreen, and I'm basically a redhead with brown hair. So, <laughs> my family has like five redheads in it, including my daughter and my mother. So you just albino almost out. Yeah, basically white, white. Used to be called powder. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine's like you're not white you're translucent so yes, uh and i i'm like doing the, the show was oh it was awful there was like a three minute break between every song because yeah because they're so 800 old. yeah they're 800 no, years old though it wasn't it wasn't them it was bill oh really bill at that point in time had not played the drums consistently for 17 years oh my god dude. And they took that would have been stuff. agonizing to watch it was so Ozzy would come out with like a squirt gun for three minutes between every song. Well, like, so I'm like in Ugh. extraordinary agonizing pain. The next day, I woke up literally purple, I'm like blistered all up and shit. That's I mean, sucks. it wasn't red; it, it it went past that into purple. And I'm like Ugh. doing the math, going, "What are they going to play? Iron Man, Paranoid? They already played War Pigs. They already did NIB. They're not going to play. They're not going to play Electric Funeral." Okay, I can call this. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, you yeah, saw some of it. Uh, yeah. And I, I miss the days where I'm like, no, I'm going to stay for every note. But no, sometimes I want to. Yeah. Dude, like, we, uh, it's so funny because, like, we played a, I think, uh, we played um, a fest this last year, like, before, before the whole COVID stuff. And uh, my wife, my wife is in her hometown. So her friends were there. And, you know, they're having a good time and it's like nine o'clock. The show's kind of wrapping up and I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm like, done, <laughs> done. Like I'm ready to go. And she's just kind of getting ready to get like starting to party, getting a little, right. getting a little tipsy, having some fun. And I'm like, you can stay, but I'm fucking going home, man. Like I'm done. You <laughs> yeah, know, I, was, right? I was at the Brett Michael show with my wife. She only cared about seeing the opening act because she had never seen Warrant. And right. when, we, when we were dating, I'm like, you like heavy metal, right? She's like, oh, I love heavy metal. She heard hair. Hair metal. <laughs> and I, when she said hair metal, I heard heavy metal. So we... we yeah. yeah. Like when, I, when we've got Molly Crew Theater of Pain, which is her record from when she was a kid, because her family never switched cassettes. Oh, wow. So yeah, They stayed got, with vinyl. They stayed with vinyl till CDs. Then CDs well, see, cassettes are coming back now, which I don't you know, understand. 
I don't either. Because uh, cassettes were miserable. They were miserable yes. when we were kids. They were horrible. Like if you had one track that you really liked, you would just rewind it until the tape broke. Or you would have to play it all the way through and listen and flip it and listen all the way back. Oh, the best but was in when in some cases that the best was when that, they had like bonus tracks on one side. Oh, so you yeah. had eight minutes of silence. Yeah, like, yeah. My twisted sister it, come out and play tape had that because there were two bonus tracks on side two, so there was like an eight minute. It's like. See that, but that maybe fall in love with Testament though, because that was the first album I ever bought myself. Like I was a first, I got it for like a Christmas present uh, from my aunt. My my nanny bought me it, and I remember playing that because I saw the video on Having His Ball, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was for practice, which preach, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And then um, I got the tape, and I just went. I fell in the deep end of the pool with that with that band, and Chuck Billy is. To this day, still one of my favorite singers of oh, all time. Amazing, amazing. Um, I think he's he's not only one of the best thrash metal singers. Like you know, with that whole the, the four came out and stuff like that, and I was like, mm-hmm. it should really be the five because Testament was. I mean, just that whole band is just sick. I've talked about what? it in a t- couple of interviews. One, what I love about Chuck Billy, Chuck Billy, or hang on, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But I'll do that anyway. What I love about Chuck Billy is Chuck Billy is melodic and and heavy or brutal, whatever word you want. Brutal. To brutal. You know, Tom Mariah doesn't have melodic; he has brutal. Just brutal. James yeah. Hetfield has both, although I not, don't like but not like Chuck though. But not, not like Chuck. Chuck. It's because it, Chuck. What's amazing about Chuck is he hasn't lost the steps that James Hetfield did. Mm-mm. And when you talk about the Big Four. If I'm being honest, I mean, Metallica's number one. And anybody who of says course. different is a liar. It's, they sold know, more records. They, they were the better band. They were just there. They were the, the, the band. There is, when you get a visionary pair like James and Lars together, you win. It's, yeah. no, other, no other band has that, period. And, but to me, number two has always been Testament. I, I, I fully agree with you, actually. I, I think that Testament as a band uh, with Eric, uh, even when Louis was still playing drums with them, uh, with, with Alex, with Craig, I mean, that band was perfect as far as music. Alex is probably one of the best guitarists of all time. He um, is the only guitar player I've ever seen play dueling solos with himself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. And then but Eric he did it in two styles. So, so good it's so and then eric is probably one of the best metal riff writers i mean yeah i mean just, they're top to bottom they're amazing but somehow anthrax is ahead of them somehow slayer's ahead of them and i i like slayer i don't i'm like probably the world's only casual slayer fan slayer well, i mean seasons was seasons was a fucking phenomenal record yes like seasons was but, but i mean you, was south every, of heaven really no Every in every album that's not seasons, or in my opinion, Diabolus and Musica, which nobody agrees with. I love that record. Okay, awesome. I'm glad someone else does. Um, Uh, No one. I mean, they hate it too, so I I don't get it. It's it's heavy. It's a heavy record. It's heavy. It's down to it. It's different, which is what every other Slayer album doesn't have. Right. And they've written the same. They're ACDC. You know. I mean, South of Heaven and Dead Skin Mask. Are they really that different? No, they're not. 
I mean, it's almost neither is song. if you think of Rain and Blood and South and and see the only song that they I think really kind of changed everything with was Seasons the song. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah, song and, was dynamic and 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 creative. And that's why Metallica is better than all of them. They are, man. One was a a knockout, but see, that wasn't even their best stuff. Their no. best stuff was puppets. Their best stuff was Ride the Lightning. The earlier Metallica records are just. I mean, but then you look at even the Black Album. People can hate on the Black Album all they want, but they those songs were legendary. They Not were a legendary fan. There's songs. some gr- there's some great stuff on there, but to me that was a Kiss record. It was a 30 30 30 record. Yeah, 30, I, I agree with that. It was 30 it was great, a sellout. It 30 was a, filler, 30 bad. Or, or, you know, I, oh yeah, that's a good way to put it. 30. Yeah, that's a good way. I've never heard that. that a good Kiss record. Exactly. 30 30. Good. And I love Kiss. <laughs> yeah, it's Iron totally Maiden, great. That, Iron Maiden is better. They're like. 40 20 they're like 40 20 40 no yeah. that's not right but, they're they're, but, they're 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 50 20 30 right but see going back to testament real quick Sorry. testament over the years have not um they have not disappointed no. like, i can't go back to one testament record and i wasn't a huge fan of the new world order or legacy i wasn't a huge fan of those records but like anything from practice what you preach till th- their new record is phenomenal i got it on the shelf dude it everything in between then and then now they have hands down the best thrash drummer of all time with gene Holwyn playing drums they you know dave mustaine once had an interview that i read that he wished megadeth would be as popular as they are talented and yeah frankly, i mean they just i get that but frankly you're not half as talented as testament yeah megadeth has dave mustaine who's a great guitar player and a great lyricist Unfortunately, he also wants to sing. Yeah. Kick everybody out. You know, here's why Megadeth Megadeth is not number one. You had Marty Friedman in your band. Phenomenal. And you only put him in as a designated hitter. But you got to admit, though, that Holy Wars kind of sounded like a guitar duel the whole time. Yeah. But (laughs) wouldn't it have been better if Marty Friedman had been playing it, too? They, they, that, that lineup. I like Metallica better. In the modern era, when Kirk plays on every track, than I do in the old one. Yeah, it's true. I like that. But it's true. We are we are running long, so I want to thank you for talking about pets with me because that is the what you agreed to discuss. And yeah, the pets are cool. uh, I got four. I got four cats. Two of them. Two bulldogs. They got in a fight today. I'm gonna beat the shit out of them later. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna touch my dogs. I stepped on one of my cats today. I don't know which one it was. I heard a (laughs) meow, and they all ran and. It was under yeah, the table. Um, <laughs> but so when is your album coming out? It comes out April 16th. Uh, it's on, uh, it's going to be through Blood Blast Distribution and um, we're signed to Upstate Records. And uh, we're, oh, I'll uh, be talking to Mario soon on my vinyl, on my vinyl chat. Yeah. Well, uh, you can remind uh, Mario that he is going to press vinyl for this because uh, he, every time I bring it up, he kind of goes, goes to some other subject. Oh, I got this. <laughs> Oh, uh, they're expensive. Uh, I gotta go over there, you know. <laughs> so, so I constantly remind him, you know, you're pressing vinyl. I'll ask him. Right? Uh, where <laughs> but, can where where can it be purchased? Where can it be pre-ordered? Well, it's gonna be yeah. we're gonna be doing some cool merch deals with Cold Cuts. Uh, that's gonna be really Cold Cuts uh, clothing. They're gonna be doing like some combos with CDs and vinyl. Oh, well, the vinyls won't be out till later, but um, as always, with C- yeah, dude, it takes like a year. To press a vinyl now, it's you know crazy. Why? You know why? 
because there aren't as many plants. And when Led Zeppelin puts a record out, they order 15,000 copies because they'll sell them. Yeah, that's true. So what happens to everybody else? Everybody gets put in the back of the bus. Because Led Zeppelin goes yeah. first. Yeah, but we're going to uh, we're gonna put this. Uh, it's going to be out April 16th. But we do got uh, a video that's coming out. This little little teaser for you. We got uh, uh, this video. We just got the edits back. It is sick. We're so excited about it. I am glad that people are making videos again. One of the great things about this modern era is that we are bringing back videos, even if it's not on television, and we're bringing back mm-hmm. cover art. And I love that. And yeah, like our, we're super about that. And not only is it a video, it's not just a video of five guys playing in a room with a whole bunch of camera angles. There's actually a story involved. What about blood? Is there blood coming off somebody's head? No, there's no blood. No. Uh, but Derek does look like he's playing a kid's little Les Paul because he's like this big dude. Nice. And he's like playing this Les Paul and it looks like itty bitty in his hands. And everybody's like, is that like a kid's version? And we're like, no, man, he's just a big dude. You know? the last, one of the last uh, concept videos I saw was about a guy becoming a zombie. And I have to admit, I had to turn it off because it was, it was sickening to the stomach. They Dude. did a really good job. We will not be doing any of that. We'll be doing more of a, we'll be doing more of those videos that you liked when you were a kid on Headbangers Ball. That's what we wanted to do. Awesome. But awesome. it's in super high def, so it looks cool. Well, I, <laughs> I am going to play the track for Harvest for everybody. Mike, thank you very much. I apologize for all the insults, all of the face slapping and all that stuff. I appreciate you coming on and you are welcome back and we will check in anytime. All right. All right, man. Have a good one, brother. Thank Thank you. you. And here's Harvest.